My guest today is Johnny Zubak of The Art of Charm. Now, when Johnny and I were having this conversation, we didn't notice anything wrong with any of the audio. But upon playback, you'll notice that some of my audio is a little warbly and distorted. But that's all right. I'm not the voice you're meant to hear. It clears up as it goes along, but everything that Johnny has to say is 100% valuable, something for everyone to take from, and you're not going to want to miss a word he has to say. You're listening to the Rugged Legacy Podcast, and I'm your host, Jeff Putnam. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Rugged Lucky Podcast. I'm joined today by Johnny Zubak of The Art of Charm. Many thanks for coming on, man. Thank you very much. It's an honor to be here. Yeah, uh, when I first figured out who you were, it was through a mutual friend of ours, I guess. And uh, I started looking at a lot of the content you had put out, uh, you and your partner, AJ. And uh, I was surprised that all of the content that you guys have covered and the depth in which you can go into some of these things as far as what you guys call the art of charm or social interaction charisma it seems to be something that should be self-evident and something that people can always just kind of pick up on as they go but looking at at it from an outsider you start to really notice that people don't know how to talk to each other anymore (laughs) well absolutely um all of our skills are being atrophied because all of our interactions now are moving to asynchronous communication with Twitter and and all the social media platforms. But uh, aside of that, as somebody who is in the self-development, the connections you make, the businesses you want to build, the relationships you're going to want to have, everything is going to boil down to your communication skills and how well uh, you are with those. And at the same time, even uh, the person who, who might think to themselves that they have decent skills, they yet can still be developed. It's no different than going to the gym and, and working out. It's, it's no different than learning how to code. We can all get better at these things. And it just happens to be one of those areas where the technology that we have is is interrupting everyone's development. And we're already seeing the studies coming out of with, with children who are being raised with a screen in front of their face and how it's stunting growth of the brain. And we're now, this is, as I was saying earlier, we're still in the, the beginning stages, 15 years in of the, of the internet, uh, 2009 is when social media really exploded and everyone was spending a lot of their time. Um, yeah, I've spent a lot of time building my MySpace page. <laughs> absolutely. Um, and so with that, the, the children who are being raised with endless amount of entertainment, when they want it, how they want it, whatever they want, it is, it is, atrophying social skills, children are not outside playing, meeting other kids. Uh, This has shown that it's disrupting certain parts of the brain that through from five to 14 is still growing. That's all in the the communication areas. And now that's being stunted. Uh, You know, I could take one look at you and know that there's, you certainly learned how to deal with other men by going to school and maybe ending up in a few fights because you said the wrong things or you did the wrong, you know. Those are certain lessons that you're only going to learn as a man dealing with other men in in diplomacy. How many children now are missing out on that because they're not out playing pickup football games or not out at the park learning to play with other kids. You drive down the street of suburbs now and there's no kids anywhere. And you know, my, my dad always told me that you're going to get punched in the face at some point growing up and there's going to be lessons in there that you will look back and, and see how that affected you and in your communication, your diplomacy skills, that, that that's gone. And 
when kids now are assing off, they're assing off from an anonymous Twitter egg talking smack with no consequences. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, my, uh, my 16 year old is, he's a, he's a big gamer, you know, like most 16 year olds these days. Now he's got his own job. He makes his own money. He buys, you know, the things he wants for himself. You know, he's a student athlete uh, at our local high school, but I hear some of the things that <laughs> before he started playing sports and really kind of putting himself out there, I would hear some of the things that he would be saying to the people that he's playing online with, with that God awful Fortnite. And I'll say right now, if I'm if I ever become Elon Musk rich, I'm going to buy Fortnite and deactivate it just to piss everybody <laughs> off. But you know, I I hear I hear the way he's talking to these people, and I'm like, I hope these are not his school friends because they're going to kick his ass on Monday. You know, I know I would. If I was his friend, you were talking to me that way. All right, okay, we're friends, but I'm still going to kick your ass. But, you know, interesting that you said that with people are now communicating asymmetrically through an anonymous account, a faceless account. There's zero consequences. Uh, and I think, you know, one of my favorite quotes is by Robert E. Howard. He, he authored the, the Code of Barbarian series, right? And he had said that, uh, and I'm paraphrasing here, he said, savages are more polite by nature than civilized people because they run the daily risk of having their heads split open with an ax. And I, that makes so much sense with what you were just talking about because I can make a, an alt account with no name, no face, and just talk all kinds of smack to you and then just talk off. And I'm completely free. But with the repetition of that, I think it maybe ingrains a mentality in a lot of these kids that, you know, you, they, they think, well, I'm invincible. I can say whatever I want. And then they try that out in the real world. And the next thing you know, they're coming home with a broken jaw. You know, it's like there's, there's real world consequences that nobody has to face anymore. And I think it, it kind of leads into the dangerous side of things. Well, it certainly does, and I believe society is seeing it now. Um, I'm a big fan of Warren Farrell and his book, The Boy Crisis, and we had him on the show, and all these stats that he has collected and put together of young men feeling lost, and certainly because they're unable to relate to people in the world world. And something else to think about, Jeff, which is, we're not just communicating uh, through this technology. We are building tribes and, and alternate virtual societies through uh, this technology. And so there are, it's not just, hey, I ran into a, in a, into a chat room and I, I talked some shit and, and now I'm gone. It's, I'm in this world, I'm in this, uh, Twitter silo and I'm there to troll you every day until you do something crazy and I'm pushing your buttons and I know just what it does like there are in the bullying that goes on it's not just at school it goes home with, with these kids as well and uh, it, it's all quite crazy um, but you know that's it's, it's where we are and uh as I mentioned, society is paying the price. Hopefully, we figure out a way to mitigate this. But something else is interesting. Uh, AJ and I are connected with the Boy Scouts of America out here in LA. Um, they had approached us, uh, talked to us about helping them put together a soft skills or EQ badge for these young kids. Uh, because this is just things that they're not being taught at home. In fact, they're just given a screen at home to go uh, occupy them. But with, they're not, a lot of these kids are not being raised with fathers in the home. Uh, they're able to push their mom buttons and to continually push them until they get what they want. Whereas the father is going to be like, no, 
that's never happening. Or if you want that, here's what you're going to have to do to earn that. And dad sticks to his guns. My dad growing up was an asshole. <laughs> and I always knew that I could run some sort of game on my mom and get what I wanted. And if, but if my dad found out how I was manipulating mom, it was, it was done. Um, so it, yeah, it's, it's, it's certainly getting to a, a weird place. And delayed gratification, as you know, in self-development, that is mostly learned through having certain boundaries at home that only the dad can really can instill. There are some moms that can do it as well, but let's be honest, that's a, a man thing. And those delayed gratification skills and learning that is a big part of patience, building things, allowing things to grow, cultivate. And, and through the internet, everyone is learning to get things when they want it, how they want it, in whatever form they want. And that's just not life on the outside. Right. Yeah. Uh, kudos for being, uh, you know, part of the Boy Scouts of America there in L.A. Uh, I know they had a whole lot of up and down thing. They started changing some of the rules uh, as far as you know, being Boy Scouts. So they started laying everybody in. But that's, that's a topic for an entirely different discussion. Um, <laughs> one thing that struck me about that was you said they came to you and AJ and they wanted to talk to you guys about putting together a, a soft skills badge mm -hmm. to teach them these things. You know, when I was a kid, the Boy Scouts was, you know, how to make fires, yeah. how to set up a tent, oh, how to yeah. identify, you know, poisonous, you know, foliage or, you know, bear shit in the woods. And now they're having to be taught how to talk to people. But when I was growing up and when you were growing up, we didn't have to be taught how to talk to people. It was a skill that we developed because the world we lived in required that to just move forward at any pace whatsoever. You had to be able to interact and talk to people. You know, I think, I had this major face palm uh, moment with uh, my son one time, and I realized that it was an issue that I needed to address. Uh, my wife uh, was making some homemade salsas, and our, our kids' friends live across the street. And I told my son, I said, hey, run across the street to your friend's house and ask their parents if they like spicy foods. If they do, tell them you know, your mom's making some homemade salsa. Ask them if they want some. And he looked me dead in the face and he said, well, what do I ask him? <laughs> <laughs> and I immediately paraphrase it, make it up as you go. I don't, you don't have to say what I say verbatim. Just go ask him if they want some friggin' salsa, man. <laughs> and, and I realized, holy crap. And at this point, you know, he had been spending a lot of time and I'm guilty of not monitoring this. But he's been spending a lot more time online than usual, playing games online with friends, you know, the texting back and forth, the phones. And, you know, it's, it's an entirely different language and a different way of communicating online or through text because there's no tone that you can infer. You know, you, you have to literally put in, you know, parentheses, sarcasm, you know, <laughs> if you want it to be taken as satire. But I realized, holy crap. You know, this kid goes to school every single day. You know, he's around all these other kids, but none of these kids are talking to each other. They're sitting at lunch tables texting each other. Texting so each other. Yeah, and, and it's, it's sad that we now have to, and it's reality, but a sad reality, you know, at that, that we have to teach kids how to talk to other kids so that when they become adults, they'll know how to talk to other adults when that used to be a thing that just kind of flourished on its own from being alive and not living, you know, isolated in a forest somewhere. One of the things that I've been trying to grapple with, with all this is, am I turning into my dad where I'm sitting there going, all oh, these kids and their gadgets and whatever. However, when I, and I and I'm think maybe I'm overreacting. 
However, when the data sets come out and shows that parts of the brain that used to develop through social activity is being stunted, that's a real problem. That is not an alarmist. That is not fear-mongering. That is not these get-off-my-lawn moments. That is real problems that are developing. And the scary part, Jeff, is these kids are going to have to take care of us one day. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's mildly terrifying, uh, which, is, which is why I'm doing what I'm doing. I mean, I'm trying to raise my kids to be yeah. self-reliant and providing strong men and my daughter a self-reliant with the help of my wife because I don't know jack shit about being a woman. Um, but yeah, if, but if we don't do something now, if you, you know, if we don't do something now to make sure that they're capable of taking care of us, you know, and running the future as they are going to be required to, it's all going to go to hell. Well, here's what's encouraging. What is encouraging is, so now we're at the beginning of the pushback, right? So mm -hmm. as we were talking earlier about how there was no, the, con the conservative rails that we would, that would hold us inside and guide us have been blown open. However, because of that, there is pushback to bring those rails back. And there's guys like yourself and, and a lot of in the, in, the, in the silo that we're in on Twitter, where this, hey, let's get back to what it means to be a man because we've all forgot about that. And it's, it's obvious that it's popular because of how uh, the kids are finding us. They want to learn, they want to get involved and they're, 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 they're pushing away the pop culture that it seems to be pretty corrosive. So, there is encouragement that perhaps we're going to see more of that because I, this is a lot of the beginnings to this, you know, uh, thank God for everyone being able to have their ideas open. And, and we're seeing the pushback on that too, with Joe Rogan getting attacked and, and we, us getting attacked for wanting to push out some ideas of, listen, you guys are lost. And when you're ready, there is some solid structure that is going to help you in your life when you need it. This other thing that, that I wanted to bring into this discussion that I'm, I know that just talking to you for briefly as we have, there is a rebelling and a losing yourself that all young people need to do. With, when it comes to degeneracy and running amok and rebelling and, and all that stuff, I believe that everyone needs to lose themselves in order to find themselves. And those voices need to be there. So when those kids are like, okay, I had my fun, but now I need some structure. I need to put my life together. I need to build something for myself. They need to be able to find voices that are going to lead them and help them out of that. Yeah. Um, everybody needs their rum springer, you know, uh, I was stealing cars and getting into fights with 26 year old pool halls at two in the morning. So luckily I don't do that anymore. <laughs> you know, often I don't do it often, but uh, no, I see what you're saying. You know, there's there we're we're starting to see that pushback where people are going, we've been, you know, willy nilly free spirit for so long. And now we, we're tired. We need something to stand on. We need, we need something to be able to, you know, stand steady on because things are getting out of control with, you know, like we were talking about earlier before we started with, you know, degeneracy and depravity being worn like a badge of honor. And it, it starts to become like a one-upmanship. Oh, well, you're this screwed up. Well, now I'm going to be this screwed up. And they keep trying to one-up each other. And so, yeah, I see what you're saying with the pushback of people on, I've had enough. It's like a never-ending auction. You can't keep raising your hand and throwing a bid in there. You know, eventually it's got to stop and people have to go, okay, I'm out. But uh, what I wanted to ask was talking to people and, you know, being socially awkward, something 
that you struggled with growing up? And is that why uh, you guys wanted to do the art of charm? You know, what was it that brought about the, the, did you just notice the need and decide we're going to fill this need or was it something you personally kind of struggled with? Well, I think all young people struggle with that. You're no one's born socially competent and no one is born socially confident. These are skills that through life, you start to pick up and you start to learn. However, as we're seeing, that is being delayed. And so there, there is a hole there and it needed to be filled. And when those people want to build businesses, want to build relationships, want to have families, there needs to be a place where they can go and get this information. You know, we run live programs and we've been doing that for 14 years and those live programs are for the people who are very obsessed with psych the psychology and human behavior and want to get a deeper inside track on that but all of our material is out there for free in the monthly toolbox episodes where they can listen absorb the material and then go but you know as well as anybody until you start implementing these ideas you don't really know anything. And right. you, you need the, to go out and put these things in practice, but all that material is there, and then the rest is up, is up to you. There's plenty of places in the world left where you can still go out and socialize, uh, but you're gonna have to leave your house to do that. And, yeah. but, <laughs> and then on, on top of that, you, you know, I never, I, I got into playing music very early my dad played in bands on the weekend. He was a factory worker, had his side hustle playing in bands. As a kid, what am I gonna do? Play with Tonka trucks or go downstairs and bang on the drums and, or pick up that guitar? So at a very early age, I wanted to form bands because that's what my dad did. So I was already going to the mall looking for the scariest kids in the arcade because I thought maybe they played drums or they had a guitar. And I was trying to form bands. So you were just looking was, for all of the Eddie Furlongs of the world. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the scarier the kid, he's got to be in the music, right? And so, so I had always been that outgoing kid who was trying to do those things. And I learned all that through music. And then in my 20s, moved to North Carolina, started working in music venues, then started managing clubs. And so, but um, I, that, that need was becoming more and more apparent. And I saw an opportunity with the internet and what was happening to possibly create something that would be a need. And I wouldn't say that there was a lot of foresight there other than this is going to be a lot of fun. Let's see what happens. Um, but and that's for myself. Now, for AJ, he's younger. He's eight years younger than me. I, we started The Art of Charm, I was 32. AJ was 23. And for AJ, I'm not going to say too, speak for him too much, but for him, he was, in a, he's a, he was in med school. He was in a lab doing cancer research. And he had to go up for a review for his work that he'd been doing. And he had... He had, his results were that he was aloof, that he was arrogant, and he couldn't believe it. And he's like, what? I had never. And so he got into self-development and um, social dynamics as a result of some bad performance reviews because he was trying to excel in the lab. And a lot of people don't recognize how bad these skills are until two two places. One, trying to get up with the opposite sex or the same sex, trying to build relationships, whatever it is for you. And two, that performance review at work where you're, when you're blindsided and you get an objective look at yourself that you didn't realize was coming across. In those two places, you start to think, damn, I might have some skills to be, to be sharpened. Yeah. Um, one of the things I always struggled with, which is very weird now you know, doing podcasts, was public speaking. Yeah. Uh, 
it was only the past few years that I, I did a, a kind of an immersion therapy where I started doing Twitter lives and things like that and just talking to people. I had no yeah. idea, no idea uh, what I was doing. But, it, it, you know, I got more comfortable with it. And I think a part of that came from when I was at work and I was told, <laughs> surprised, I was told by my boss that uh, all of the other employees uh, thought that I had an attitude problem. <laughs> I was like, uh, okay. Yeah. I'm like, I don't have a problem. They don't have a problem. They're all idiots. <laughs> it's all them. Yeah. <laughs> no, but yeah, I thought there was a need for it. And the, what, the weird thing about it though, was I can talk, I can walk up and talk to anybody in a grocery store, just walk up a random person, strike up a conversation. Never had that problem because the world I grew up in, we didn't have, you know, we dial up internet. And so I wasn't talking to anybody. Um, but public speaking or speaking in front of crowds, presenting myself to two or more people that I didn't really know. I thought, man, I can talk to anybody. Why the hell can I do this? But in trying to develop the skills needed to be able to interact with a group of people uh, was something that I noticed right off the bat. Yeah, I suck at this. You know, and I was a supervisor at work, and that's why everybody thought I had an attitude problem. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's – if I can develop these skills where I am, you know, you know, my oldest son is 21. I'll give you an idea of, you know, I've been on the block of time three. But I'm still learning. And when I came across the Art of Charm and the Art of Charm podcast and I started listening to your content – I was like, okay, maybe I can learn something, but I had to like drop my ego a little bit, oh, yeah. a lot. I don't think a lot of people want to be told you just don't know how to talk to people. You know, and I, and I wonder if uh, is that something you uh, ever had before when you were trying to do your uh, art of charm work? You have someone say, "You're telling me I don't know how to talk. You're telling me I don't know how to interact with people. I interact with people all the time. What are you talking about?" You get a lot of pushback on any of your things? Well, the ego thing happened when I started to read up on social dynamics and realized there was all these pieces that I never considered. I never thought about them because I never thought about them. I, I was never able to sharpen them. And this is the thing that I think why people get hooked on the podcast is it opens all these new doors of all these learning opportunities that directly result in your life and relationships getting better. And so once you realize that, well, why wouldn't you want to practice these things that are going to help you uh, build relationships, build businesses and everything that make more money and make your life easier. And so when those doors opened for me, it was this new world of stuff that I had never didn't know were out there. And so I, I, because I didn't know they were there, realized, well, if I didn't know they were there, I can't be very good at them and realized <laughs> there was tons of room to grow. And then when I started implementing some of these ideas and saw my relationships take off, saw my confidence in how I would deal with people just go off. Like it was, it was as if I was handed superpowers that I, that I, didn't know existed and that I was the only one now who was who knew this stuff and was implementing these and seeing them uh, and seeing their results and and that's why I think a lot of people when they discover it get so hooked because it does open new doors and you you directly see the benefits of getting better with, with these skills yeah and I mean, the evidence is there. People are getting hooked. I was looking through your guys' playlist uh, last week. You guys have taken off pretty well. You've had some really big actors on there. Um, yeah. I mean, Sugar Ray Leonard, uh, Shaq, the late and great rest his soul, Kobe Bryant. Yeah. You know, I listened to that episode uh, the day after he passed away. And, oh, man, 
that was rough. But, I mean, you got to gain a lot of traction in something that a lot of people wouldn't think is something that would garner that much of an audience because, like we already talked about, it seems like the ability to talk to people should be self-evident. How long did it take you guys when you first started off with The Art of Charm to realize that you actually had something? That's interesting. Um, I knew it from the beginning because once those doors were open for me, I was obsessed. And if I became obsessed with those doors open, why wouldn't everybody else? And so that was the way I saw it. And so for us, it was, let's get this message out as far as wide as possible. And the more people are not only are going to love this content, get better relationships, but also we have an opportunity to, on a grand scale, to make the world a little, a better place from our little corner. And so, you know, when people ask, well, what's, what's the, the big mission? The big mission is to, to add value and to, to stabilize what's going on and to, for people to have a place to go when they want to learn this stuff, but in all to, to, to make the world a, a better place. I mean, yeah, you know, you talk about, you know, if people want to build relationships or build businesses or start products, I mean, if you, in reality, all businesses is a series of relationships. And if you don't know how to hold those things together or even begin them, you're certainly not going to have a business for very long. Well, here's something else to think about. Not only businesses, but every important event in your life, you're going to be, you're going to have to talk to somebody. And guess what? <laughs> those conversations and those tremendous events in your life are going to determine what's going to happen. So, and, and, <laughs> And if you're not prepared for it, you're going into this, into these events haphazardly hoping for the best rather than having some control of the result. Yeah. Uh, it, it, to me, it's kind of like, you know, charging into a fire without an extinguisher. You just, <laughs> I hope I don't get burned. We'll see what happens. Yeah, it, it, it amazes me today how many people who don't, you know, just don't realize that they have zero communication skills. They have zero ability to start a conversation. You know, a DM is probably the most thing that, you know, the most conversative thing they do is, hey. Then they leave it at that, expect you to fill in the gaps. But my own, my own sister, you know, does the, uh, or she'll, she'll want to call and talk but expects me to fill on the gaps because she, she's got nothing to talk about. You know, she doesn't even know how to, <laughs> she called me to talk to her rather than her to talk to me. And she has no idea what she wants to talk about or even how to begin a conversation. So it, uh, I, I got to go by. <laughs> yeah, that's the There's, end of it. And. It, well, something I, I, else. It's frustrating. <laughs> well, something else there, which is we have this, this, Science is showing that we our social biome is healthier when we have even the briefest of daily interactions with other people. Those interactions don't need to form into relationships. Those interactions don't need to be important. You're healthier just by going to the store and chatting with the guy behind the counter. Like, and those interactions are gone. Why leave your house? I just get it on Amazon, right? Like I'll get it in bulk. I'll get it cheaper. <laughs> like this, those little interactions on a daily basis add up to you feeling better about your place in the world. And the other, we have to understand that at the, on a base level, we are herd animals and we feel safe when we're in the herd, accepted, approved, and having attention on us. And if the only way that you know that you're in the herd and you're accepted and that you're surrounded is by going out 
into the world world and dealing with regular people. Even what you and I are doing right now, even though you and I are having a great conversation and I can see you there and as good as 4k might be or, or, or what the definition is, I still cannot take register all the micro expressions that needs for for me to have a fulfilling uh, experience talking with you. They, it's like right now, our interaction is the equivalent of like a McDonald's cheeseburger. It'll get the job done, but, but it's not the best thing for you. You need the real thing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, do you think that, you know, you see things like, you, you go, what's the company? Um, I can't remember the name of the company where they send clothes to your door. There's all these different, there's, Tons, uh, yeah. and there's all the, yeah. And there's all these different, uh, was it like DoorDash where they just bring food to you. So you get to interact with the pizza guy or the guy who's bought your burger or, or whatever. All there, and Amazon, like you mentioned, we've become such an interconnected world that it, it's, it's like a double-edged sword. We're so interconnected to everything around us that it's allowed us to become so disconnected with everything around us because we now have the option to where it's not required. You know, with uh, Stitch Fix, that's the name of the company. They yeah. send you clothes. If you don't like them, you can mail them back. And you can leave it on the porch for the guy to pick up. Amazon, come and drop everything to the door. DoorDash, come up, drop it off at the door. You, you don't have to see other people. And... <laughs> And be, I don't think it's a coincidence that since the progression and the advancement of social media across all platforms, that people are just more innately depressed and run down and just undriven, purposeless blobs because they opt in for the easy way of not having to go and get something where they have a chance meeting with a random stranger that they might be able to have a decent five-minute conversation with. I don't own a car for that very reason. Well, you live I, in LA. You don't need a car. <laughs> well, LA's pretty spread out, but I like to walk. I like dealing with people. I live in a world where my business is online. I'm I'm constantly on my phone. In fact, I was laughing the other day. Uh, I was over at the office. AJ was upstairs. And I was about to send him a text about something that needed to be done. And I went, the hell am I doing? Go upstairs and talk to the kid. Yeah. <laughs> I've had that happen before. You know, I'll be outside working on something, you know, cleaning the patio, whatever. My wife's inside, reaching at my phone, instinctively get ready to text her. She's 50 feet away. Yeah, <laughs> and it's, it's dangerous that you can get sucked into that real quick and you end up, you know, like you see these kids in high schools now just texting each other while they sit next to each other. And here's what's, here's another phenomenon that I'm realizing. When, the, when this all started, I had a boss who, through email, this was back in my club days, he would be uh, communicating with talent buyers and bookers from a bunch of different agencies. And he got in a lot of trouble through emailing because his, the way he was emailing people rubbed people the wrong way. Now, fast forward to where we are now, those conversations are now the new normal of just blur. And, and because of that, We're now having difficult conversations through blunt text messages. And well, why would you, there's no reason to, if you would talk to somebody face to face that way, it's not gonna go too well. Yeah, and, it comes across a little robotic. Well, and so I've been working with AJ for 14 years. There are times in the business where I'm texting him something. I'm like, this is not an appropriate text. This is a, when you get to the office tomorrow, have a conversation. Because this is only going to go sideways. 
but that's me understanding how this works. How many people are trying to have these difficult conversations through text because they don't realize that is, that is inappropriate and that's going to go sideways. For myself, I've been studying this stuff for so long that I can, I can recognize when this is not appropriate or this is a longer drawn out conversation that is going to have a lot of nuance that just cannot be had through text or even a long ass email. You need to be able to hear the emotions and see the micro expressions in the face in order to, for that to work. And the other thing about it is when, when we're having face-to-face -face conversations, I'm, I'm not only seeing your micro expressions and getting a gut instinct and subconscious reading, I also mimic your micro expressions in order for me to have for my empathy to work in order to feel what you're feeling. Those micro expressions are not in an email. Those micro expressions aren't even on this conversation that you and I are having. Right. You know, a lot of people think that, and I think it's probably the biggest conflation and misconception that there is, is that communication is just about talking. <laughs> yeah. But body language plays such a major factor into how your message is conveyed. You know, like you and I talking right now, for example, I'm looking at your face on the screen. So it doesn't have that appearance of I'm looking at you in the eye through the camera, but in a real conversation face to face, if I'm looking down or away or fidgeting with my hands or whatever it may be, and I'm a Southern guy, we talk with our hands. I'm not quite Italian, you know, it's not a speech <laughs> impediment. It's not a speech impediment if one gets clubbed, but it shows the actual interest of the conversation being had. You know, the worst thing ever that you see now in text messages is you'll send someone an ebook and they reply back with K. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they could just be saying, okay, you know, well, and be genuinely interested in what you're getting, what you said, want more, but you don't know that. It, it looks very dismissive. And so like you said, like those emails with your old boss, it gets taken the wrong way because there's no body language to be absorbed and no gut instinct to be gleaned from when it comes to how the conversation's going. The other thing about it, Jeff, and this is the part that people don't understand or forget about, is yes, there's two pieces to this communication. There's the prefrontal cortex communication, and then there's the whole limbic system of communication. All that subconscious reading goes out the window on a text message. You can infer what they might mean, but unless you're there with the person, you can't pick any of that up. And as you know, as somebody who understands Twitter, there's two forms of, of that going on. There is a speaking to somebody's values, and then there's a speaking to somebody's prefrontal cortex where the, the, the words and the meaning and the questions are popping up. But the things that get shared are the, the emotions and values that are underneath that that speak to somebody's subconscious. And, and that gets manipulated through asynchronous communication and differently than it does face-to-face. -face. Yeah. The, there is an innate ability in someone to be able to pick up on nuance in a face-to-face -face conversation. But like you just said, you see it all the time on social media. If I say something like you know, lifting weights – is a great way to get healthy. There's some asshole <laughs> that is just going to go, well, what about people with cancer? What about me? I had a, I have a broken back. What about dead people? They can't lift. There's zero ability to extrapolate meaning of nuance in anything anymore, just through these just digitized communications. And it's probably the most frustrating thing ever because, and maybe I'm 
the only one who does this, maybe I'm not, but when I'm tweeting something, I tweet like I talk. Yeah. You know, I write like I talk. The way you and I are having this conversation is the way I tweet. It's not conveyed with my tonality what I said. It's just there, black and white, interpret it how you want it, take it or leave it. And then I get frustrated because I'm like, you're a dipshit. How did you not get this? And then I have to realize, then I have to realize, well, no, Jeff, you're a dipshit because they can't understand what you mean because you've got no tone because it's just text. Yeah. And, and certainly the sarcasm and a lot of other humor that may be dry is certainly not going to come through on a tweet or a text unless I, unless I can read that text through your voice. And here's what's great. You have a great Twitter picture. And so what I imagined your voice and tonality to be like, I think is represented in that picture really well. So, uh -huh. I mean, there was, when I popped on today to talk to you, I was like, that's the guy I've been talking to on Twitter. <laughs> Yeah, I, I was uh, I was debating on having my wife sit right here when you first popped on. Maybe that's that that's not him. <laughs> but no. Um, so, what do you think is the best course of action for people now? A, a lot of people, like I said, obviously they need to go to theartofcharm.com and start reviewing yeah. your content. And I did notice that you guys have these live boot camps that are, are live-in scenarios. Tell me about those. Is that something you would recommend for people who are really trying to get out of their social awkwardness? Well, that can certainly help. But the way we see the live programs, those are for people who are already building careers in relationships who want to excel. These, okay. these programs are... And they're immersive and they're incredibly intense. And th throughout the week, you are getting lectures and we're going out for you to be able to implement some of these ideas in real time, face to face with random people that we're gonna go hang out at a bar. Um, and you're able to get real time feedback with some of the techniques and things that we've talked about in class. And so, it is certainly not for the faint of heart. If you're afraid of talking with people, going to the Art of Trump program, it will, it will certainly help you, but you're gonna be, you're gonna be thrown into the fire. Uh, the people who really benefit are the people who are already uh, building relationships, building business, and just want inside track and, and excel. For instance, some of the things, one of the things that a lot of people don't think about is is this concept of emotional bids. Now I've talked about them on Twitter and emotional bids is a subcommunication of, of, of a bid looking for acceptance, approval or attention from your partner or whoever you're having a conversation with. Those bids are, they're, they're coming at you left and right. You, Unless you're looking for them, you're not going to realize they are there. And how you respond to those emotional bids puts a, a, has a consequence to the other person who's giving out those bids. And what's interesting about this is if you learn about them, there is no conversation that you can go in that you can't turn small talk into smart talk and where the, you're gonna really enjoy the conversation, really gonna learn something about somebody, and you're, you're going to stand out as somebody who, who can instantly connect with, with anybody. And those emotional bids are extremely powerful. And it's a concept that John Gottman of the Gottman Institute had discovered when he was analyzing couples who have been together and predicting whether or not those couples would be able to stay together after years, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. And when the, the emotional bids rose and he was able to, to measure whether or not the partner, husband, wife, whatever, was able to respond to them properly was 
predictive in whether or not that relationship would stay together to a, a, a very high percentage, like in the 90s. It's ridiculous. And That's it's a incredible. concept. It's a simple concept. But once you get it, you're able to change how these how conversations work. And if you're really interested in it, if you go to theartofcharm.com to our toolbox episodes or just type in emotional bids, uh, you'll get plenty of information. And you'll can you can see how how rapidly the conversation changes. And what's fun about this is putting that kind of stuff to the test. And there is no better way of putting it to the test than going out on dates where you don't know anything about the other person. All you're walking in with is how to use emotional bids and how to be present in that conversation. And it is for, for young men who want to excel and, and start connecting with the ladies, you learn emotional bids. You'll have every girl that you go on a date with calling you, texting you, wanting to hang out with you again. It's, a, it's an amazing thing. And how it affects any relationships, whether businesses that you build or just relationships that you want to cultivate and, and prosper, it's a key tool and technique. And, and it's a very simple concept. Well, I've never heard of emotional before right this moment. And I honestly don't think a lot of people have. So I'm definitely going to be checking that out. Yeah, it'll blow your mind. It'll blow your mind. And what's funny is the minute it registers, you'll be seeing them in everything. And you'll realize that. Great. These... It's going to be one of those things. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. And, and it allows so the idea of going into a networking event or going to a party where you don't know anyone having this this tool is it's it makes going to those things fun and it makes meeting people fun because as i said you're now not stuck stuck in small talk you're able to transition it out and you're able to lead the conversation to wherever you want it to go and connect and it's it's fantastic and it makes these things fun because why because now you're, you're going into this, you're going into the fire with the fire extinguisher. <laughs> you're not hoping, you're not hoping things happen. You have a purpose, you have a purpose and you have the tools for the job. And that makes it fun. Well, what you're describing really does sound like a modern day real world superpower, especially, <laughs> especially when we're surrounded by people who don't know how to talk. But yeah. Yeah. With, with this kind of knowledge and these kind of skills that are honable, are developable, yeah. it seems like you can walk into any room, and this is, I'm taking from what you said, you can walk into any room and you can command the entire tone of the room based on the conversations being had because you simply know what to look for and how to interact with people. Absolutely. And it's so much fun. That sounds like it would be fun. Uh, it I mean, do you ever just do it as a game? Just walk into a random room in any building, you know, a bar, club, whatever, restaurant there in L.A. and just say, I'm going to see what I can get going. I used to do it all the time. But now it's like, it, it's, at this, it's at the point now where it's, it's like, I've already had that fun with it. I'm off onto other things, you know? Right. You've but, used your powers for, for personal gain enough. Now you've decided to turn it around. You know, it's funny. We always say when we're in our classes, you use these tools for Jedi purposes only. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I'm definitely going to have to take a look. And what's great about this is you'll be able to see these, these cues with your wife and you're really gonna have some fun uh, because you'll be able to turn into the bids, which will just excite her and she won't even under, really understand what's going on. You're only attending to the bids and it's nothing underhanded or weird. It's just you attending to the bids that she's putting out in a very thoughtful way because now you see them. Yeah, you know, there's that old saying, you can't fix it if you don't know what's broken. But one thing that my wife and I agree a lot on is 
the majority of issues that it comes down to uh, with couples are unmet expectations because unmet expectations lead to resentment, but people don't know how to communicate those expectations effectively. Yes. And a lot of times they're, they're hidden and they're not, people are not going to feel open to communicating these expectations if the emotional bids aren't being met. Because when you turn away from the emotional bids, rather than turning to them, the other person starts to shut down. And so they're not going to feel good in expressing themselves wants and needs if the emotional bids have been swatted away. But if the emotional bids have been if you've turned into them, if you validated them, then it opens the person up to feeling really good about sharing those uh, those wants and needs. Yeah. I think more people need to be going to theartofcharm.com. <laughs> <laughs> With the way I see people interact today, yeah, this is definitely something that needs to be taught. But we're kind of coming up on that hour here. So I want to ask you, and this is a, a bit of an off the wall question. If it came down to it, who would win? Regis Philbin <laughs> or Ryan Seacrest? In a knockdown dragon? Oh, yeah. For some reason, I just, I feel that Phil would just bring out a can of whoop ass. I think, I think there's too much pent up anger deep within Phil that would be unleashed if Ryan started fucking with him. It's the kind of thing. <laughs> it's got nothing to do with Ryan Philbin. I mean, not Ryan Philbin. Ryan Seekers kind of looks like punk. <laughs> yeah, man. I think, you know, there's always the kid in school, the bully keeps picking on, and one day the kid just snaps. That's Regis. Right, that's He'll, Regis. <laughs> <laughs> he just snaps, and all the other kids go, I ain't messing with him ever again. <laughs> oh, that's a great answer. <laughs> so, Johnny, I want to go ahead and thank you for coming on. Um, thank you, man. People yeah, uh, where can people find you, and what would be uh, the best resource to get started with? People actually go to your site. Well, we have AOC has been running its podcast. We're we're, we're one of the original OGs in podcasting. We've been doing it for fourteen years. However, if you want these tools and tactics, we have toolbox episodes that go out every month that deal directly with one concept for an hour when we talk about what it is, how it works, and how to implement it. And those toolbox episodes run the gamut of everything in social interaction, and they are a lot of fun. And so I would, I would start with just going to the latest month and going to the toolbox. This, uh, this month coming up, uh, Monday, it's going to be about values and understanding what value-based living is and, and how it, and what it communicates to others around you and, and how others can connect with you when you are living and expressing those values. That's great. And uh, where can people find you uh, online? I run the AOC Twitter, that is me. And then I also have an AOC Johnny, but I'm not as active there. Um, but, uh, but, all of my social media is the same. I am AOC Johnny on Instagram and Twitter. But for Twitter purposes, I'm running the, the AOC Art of Charm Twitter. And I'm usually there all day because I have so much fun with all you guys. <laughs> well, what else do you got to do? It's only LA, right? There's really nothing going on out there. <laughs> it's between business building and going out to see rock and roll shows, my friend. I dig it. We're going to have to hit a show together. Anytime. All right. Well, guys, thank you all for listening to this episode of the Rugged Legacy Podcast. This is Jeff and Johnny. Sign off. Right on.
everyone wants to rise from the ashes, but very few are willing to set themselves on fire. This has been a Rugged Legacy production.